Hello. Hi. I'm Shannon. I'm Emma. And welcome to This Podcast Doesn't Exist. We're two best friends who like talking to each other about a lot of things, but the things you hear about are spooky, scary, unsolvable, kooky, weird. Mysteries. Stories. Mystery time. (laughs) Nailed it. 51. Unscripted. This is how you know it's off the cuff. You, this oh, yeah. is not the clean, the clean and edited, super smooth, no breathing version. Oh yeah, there are there are podcasts that I I have tried multiple times to listen to. There's this one that's all about cults, and the information is incredible. Like they do their research really well, but I cannot listen to them because it truly is very like they have the cadence of like a newscaster, and it's like this weird cadence where they're like starting a sentence and then it fades into like a the cult leader's voice oh. or like a recording or something and then they come back to it and they start talking again it's this weird like there's no it's ambient like sound produced. there's yeah there's just a like interesting i don't like it yeah no it kind of freaks me out i yeah no i'm and well and i feel like this might be a a holdover of our generation because i feel like when we were in Middle school, high school, college, the beginning of college anyway. Really popular, like, YouTube videos, like BuzzFeed, Vlogbrothers, all these things. It was, like, a tight two to three minutes. Yeah. And people, that's why the jump cut exists, so that you didn't hear people, like, wasting time with breath. Yeah. And now I feel like a lot of the content is longer form. Like, most of the YouTube videos that pop up in my subscription box are, like, 15 minutes long, if not longer. Yeah, and I listen to, like, hour and a half to two hour pod- long podcasts. There's this one that I found him on TikTok, but now he has a podcast that he just, like, does from his van that is, like, a a house in a van yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. thing. He's, van like, life. redone it. But he's he's from the UK, and he has this very, like, deep voice that's just like so soothing. And the whole mm. premise of his podcast is that he has a random word generator. And he just picks five words and kind of just like talks about them. And then we'll just pick the next word. And it's just like the most rambly, like, it's just so I'm into nice. that. It's so nice. It's like, so you know how there are certain people who like ASMR. <sighs> I am not a fan. Shannon is not a fan. No. It's just, it's not my thing. It makes me feel very icky. But I think our version of ASMR is like the it, the kind of thing that makes your brain go like who is listening to nonsense podcasts or like watching those YouTube videos where like things probably don't really happen or like something happens but it's like nonsensical or it's you know not important like we're not watching documentaries or listening to like documentary pieces we're listening to like friends talk to each other or like men ramble about a word that they're just introduced to. <laughs> yep. It's well and he frames it as like if you just want company or if you yeah. just want to like zone out. So he's like maybe you're fa- maybe you're falling asleep to like take a nap. Maybe you're going on a walk. Maybe you're just like chilling. And I play it like in the morning on the way to work when I'm like the sun is not up and I'm mad. <laughs> if the sun then, is not up, why he, am I? And then he's just like pigeon Blah, blah, blah. A story about a pigeon. <laughs> I'm like, okay. That's the kind of thing I need. It feels like Brad Leone energy from oh. uh, Bon Appetit. Rip. We won't talk about it. He's not dead, but those times. Yeah. 
I feel nostalgic for the the old the old times, but also get equal pay. Pay your workers equally. All right. Anyway, so uh, this is not, in fact, a podcast where we talk about other podcasts. It's a mystery podcast. But before we get there, I have some housekeeping notes. I made a list. Oh, you did. Number one on the list. Thank you to our internet detectives slash people who wrote in. Uh, Wikipedia is also Nickelodeon. We made it. Thank you. You can stop writing in. The cops are coming to get us because <laughs> we're too stupid to have figured that out. I don't know why I, neither of us. In my defense, I did not have Nickelodeon until the year 2005 because we didn't have it in Germany on base. We had Cartoon Network. No Disney Channel, no Nickelodeon. That's interesting. I remember when I was like a really little kid and we would travel back to like New Jersey to visit family or whatever. It was always a very big deal if someone had Disney Channel because my parents would let me watch like, you know, on like Saturday morning, it's like Disney Junior. Yeah. And they had like the Winnie the Pooh out of the box kind of like. Out of the box. I just remember. Out of the box. We don't have the rights somehow. That's, it's not even 15 seconds. <laughs> we don't have the rights. Um, anyway, so Nickelodeon, thank you. You can stop writing in. But if you're listening to these out of order, okay, cool. Now next you know. Up, next up, usually friends, Roman country, <laughs> friends, Roman countrymen. Friends, Roman countrymen. <laughs> Nobody else. <sighs> friends, Romans, countrymen. Uh, if you've been here before, usually we have a whole long spiel about all the places you can find us, but now you only need to remember one place. Emma, where is that place? This podcast doesn't exist. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. You can find all of our socials there. There's a form for you to submit your little questions, comments, concerns, spooky stories, episode requests, literally anything. Just talk to us, please. We love hearing from you guys. Yeah. Someday we'll do another mailbag, maybe. Yeah, but it, we can't do another mailbag if you guys don't Until we have send us stuff. So Haley is gonna t- totally forget what they submitted back in like <laughs> June, and it'll be a surprise for them too. Oh, that's actually um, kind of nice. That's super fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, speaking of being our friend and like having been here before, uh, we have a contest going on right now. Yes, we do. Which is very exciting. By the time that this airs, you will have about. A week left. Yes. Our podcast anniversary, our pod anniversary, if you will, is October 23rd. It is. And that is the day the contest is ending. So at noon, Eastern Standard Time on October 23rd, 2021, in case you're listening to this in the future. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Uh, yeah, go to our Instagram. All the details are there. Like the post, follow us, tag a friend and tell them. Which episode they should listen to. Yeah, what episodes should they start with? Because they could potentially, if they, you know, like our podcast and want to tell other friends about it, they could enter too. There is they, time. If they have a little bit of time to listen. Also, I've seen some of our nearest and dearest pod friends that have liked the post. Yes. And I'm not, not going to call anybody and out. And not comment I'm not going to call anyone out. Do you not like free things? Also, it's not even just that it's free. It's that it's specially curated and 
made true by us i mean i curated emma made things with her hands yeah don't you want something i made i will say that sounded pathetic i will say with the exception of your husband having any relationship to us does not disqualify you yeah it does not preclude you from entering the so hello in-laws of emma you can enter the contest yeah absolutely you absolutely should Dare I say, international people, <laughs> all two of you, our our crypt king, our crypt king. I mean, there doesn't uh, Brent's grandmother listen, or she listened to she an listened episode? to one episode. It counts. She listened to like a raisin. Oh God, the most depressing episode. Oh, and she she texted me because I love Jed. She texted me. And basically said, you're doing a great job on your podcast, but I don't really know what it's about. <laughs> and All I was right. like, you chose the wrong Dear one, Jen. family, please send her a different episode Seriously. that may be more to her taste. Um, also, I've been meaning to ask you, because you have all of our analytics, like, have we had any other unusual, unexpected countries pop up? Because I was talking to someone about this the other day. Well, it's not necessarily that any new countries have popped up, but rather that our listenership in the UK has increased to a point where I know that it's not just my friends and family who are listening. (gasps) What? So we have some UK friends out there. Hello. I'm so sorry for any (laughs) mispronunciations I've done in the past. Um, And it surprises me because uh, we haven't heard from y'all. So... We did get an email. We did. But you guys don't get to know what it is until a mailbag episode, so... Neener, neener. (laughs) Anyway, all that to say, please enter the contest. One, because we want to share the bounty with you guys and celebrate. Thank you for being here. Whether you've been here since episode one or if you're a new friend. We Um, love new friends. But also, selfishly, I want to know which episodes you want people to start with. Because yes. I'm nosy. But yeah, that, that was all the housekeeping. Do you have any other thoughts, feelings, opinions to share with the class, Emma? Not necessarily. Know that the first prize is a notebook made by me. And that the second prize is um, a wonderful collection of curated stickers. And other things are involved in both of those. But those, that's the gist. So if you like free things... If you if you also if you also enjoy collecting stickers and then putting them in a drawer because you're <laughs> too anxious to actually put them on anything, enter the contest. You might earn some more. You might get some more. All right. Are you ready, Emma? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> I just wrote in my notes. Segue. Inspired by Salem. Ooh. And some early colonial nonsense, as well as continuing what is apparently my spooky season theme of unexplainable disappearances. <gasps> Today, Emma, we are going to learn about what might have happened to the colonists of the lost colony of Roanoke. I knew it! She's very... That was a very Muppet moment that just happened. I knew it! I'm so excited! (laughs) All right. All right. You did like an extreme deep dive, man, though, if it's... 
this long. Look. Shannon's got some notes, you guys. I do. Um, Because I feel like a lot of people know the general gist Mm -hmm. of Roanoke. and uh, There's so much more of, like, leading up to it and then after it and, like, theories. I'm so excited. So here we are. Here we go. Early history. Take a drink, everybody. Of tea or whatever you want. Hydrate. Water is important. Okay, so European exploration of the Outer Banks of what is now North Carolina began in the early decades of the 16th century. The Florentine Giovanni da Verrazzano, in the service of the French king, Francis I, skirted the Outer Banks in 1524, and the following year, the Spaniard Pedro de Cajo passed on a voyage to the Chesapeake Bay. Woo! Neither the French nor the Spanish made any effort to settle the region, however, and other than a brief visit by the Spanish in 1566, Europeans showed no interest in the region. Okay. Which we'll talk about later, potentially, but it's not great for sailing because there are lots of shipwrecks. Ooh. So... They weren't really interested. That's, I I get that. Also, there was a lot of stuff happening in the Caribbean, in the Keys. That's fair. All that stuff. (laughs) And then I wrote, our old friend, parentheses, I wrote that thinking that he'd been mentioned in my Shakespeare research, but then questioned myself and went back to check my notes, and he isn't there, so no bingo square for you. (laughs) Anywho, in 1584, Sir Walter Raleigh, although at this point just Walter Raleigh, a very wealthy courtier and favorite of Elizabeth I of England, was granted permission by the queen to establish a colony in North America. So he actually lucked into the gig via a kind of like King Solomon-esque scenario. Ooh. So in 1578, permission to found the colony in North America was given to a man called Sir Humphrey Gilbert. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why does he sound like he has no hair? <laughs> Sir Humphrey Gilbert. Um, and this is a quote from the First Colony Foundation. Letters patent, the legal instrument for the venture, were issued in the, in the spring and permitted him to, quote, discover, search, find out, and view such remote heathen and barbarous lands, countries, and territories not actually possessed of any Christian prince and inhabited by Christian people, and to, quote, hold, occupy, and enjoy forever all the soil of all such lands, countries, and territories so to be discovered or possessed. So he basically give him permission like, they're like, the law now says that you can do whatever you want. <laughs> basically, yeah. He's basically given exclusive rights to possess and exploit the resources of all of North America. That's so stupid. <laughs> excluding the parts already inhabited by Christians, a.k.a. other Europeans. That's so dumb. But when Sir Humphrey Gilbert died in 1583... Queen Elizabeth divided the charter between his brother, Adrian Gilbert, who got kind of like the northern half, like Canada. Okay. Sort of side, New England. And his half-brother, Walter Raleigh. Ooh. 
And then I wrote, ha, joke's on me, because I definitely talked about Walter Raleigh <laughs> and his ill-fated missions during the El Dorado episode. Bingo squares for everyone. I love that you, you're talking to yourself in your notes. <laughs> Look, whenever I get the courage to go back and read any draft that I have ever written during NaNoWriMo, I leave notes to myself all the time. Some of them are very practical, like, I haven't named the beach town in my novel, so it's just when they went to beach town, like all caps, so that I'll remember to go back and change it. I have a, I have a keyword in mine. So it's very that, smart of you. So that it's like every time there's a parenthesis, it starts, and it's elephant. Elephant. Are you writing about a circus? I know. I realized it was stupid about you're gonna, 12,000 words like, in. You're going to like control F, like find and replace, and then you'll be reading a sentence and be like, what? And then they release the Elizabeth out of the cage. Wait a second. What? What's going on? No, I think Ruth was saying that she uses like name one, like all is yeah. without a space so that she can just like control so that it's, all of the name ones smart. are like Xander or whatever. <laughs> like, it's very smart. Yeah, it's almost like they're a real writer that has <laughs> finished or almost finished many things. Okay, but anyway, everybody gets a bingo square. Congrats. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to the Eldorado episode because what are you doing? Uh, it's a fun time. This is also a a time. It's a time. We'll get there. Yeah. Aside from the personal fame that such a venture would bring him in the eyes of the monarch and the court. Raleigh wanted to establish a colony in the region because it would be a really good place to launch raids on the Spanish West Indies and a lot of treasure. Because Caribbean is still the point of this is where all this stuff is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, all of that would in turn also bring him more fame and acclaim and whatever, but... Also, treasure. Treasure. So Raleigh's charter was issued on March 25th, 1584, and specified that he needed to establish a colony by the year 1591, or he would lose his right to colonization. (laughs) Gee whiz, I wish that my supervisors gave me such a wide window (laughs) on my projects, but okay. Um, It's still, I mean, this is just white man history, but, like, the fact that they're giving him permission to colonize. They're like, yes, you have permission. The queen and God said you can, so go ahead. Uh, Stay tuned for our spinoff podcast, White Man History, (laughs) coming 2023. Um, Okay, so in late April 1584, he dispatches. Also, he wasn't allowed to go. Like, the queen was like, you're going to stay in court. There was some drama. I couldn't oh. allow myself a detour. Perhaps our, our British contingent can write in and let us know. But he couldn't go. But also, I feel like it was white man history that if you're rich and fancy, you didn't go and do things. No, you sent you other, people. other people to do it. Yeah. So he dispatches two small ships commanded by Philip Amandus and Arthur Barlow on a reconnaissance mission. That arrived off the Outer Banks a few months later. Because, of course, it takes you a while to cross the Atlantic. Actual months. Yes. The scouts reported that the surrounding lands had ample timber and wild game, 
both of which would be valuable resources if you're establishing a, a new colony. Yeah. The local uh, Native Americans were described as a, quote, very handsome and goodly people and in their behavior as mannerly and civil as any of Europe. Okay. So cool. White man history. For once, you managed to not be a jerk. Yep. At least in this very specific quote. Um, one island in particular, at 10 miles long and two and a half miles wide, was decided to be ideal and was dubbed Roanoke after a nearby native tribe. Cool. So these two ships return to England to share their findings and they bring along with them England's first Native American visitors, a Croatoan chief named Manteo, and Juan Cheese, the last known leader of the Roanoke slash Secotoan tribe. I really tried to seek some clarity, but it was a little confusing. It's also not a written history. It's an oral one, so it's hard to pinpoint. Yes. Also, that being said, I really did my best with I looked up pronunciations and sometimes there was actually, like, valuable resources. Sometimes it was just that one YouTube channel of, like, the robot voice reading. I that. And I just decided to, like, go with my gut in some instincts instead of trusting her very anglicized robot voice. I was like, yeah. that doesn't feel correct. So I'm just going to try, as I always do. Honestly, that's all you can be asked to do. Look. Just try. It can't be worse than the Latin. It's fine. <laughs> so the Roanoke tribe were a Carolina Algonquin speaking people whose territory comprised present day Dare County, Roanoke Island, and part of the mainland at the time of this exploration. They were one of numerous Carolina Algonquin tribes, which may have numbered five to 10,000 people in total in eastern North Carolina. The smaller Croatoan people may have been a branch of the Roanoke or a separate tribe that was allied with them. Like you said, yeah. we're not quite sure. But these two men, they traveled to share their knowledge about their land as well as to observe the technology of the English. Cool. Why not? Yeah. Monteo remained very open to the experience. He cooperated with linguists in England to transcribe an Algonquin alphabet. Cool. Whereas Juan Cheese was like, no, I don't necessarily trust these people. Okay, fair enough. Playing the long game, sir, because white man history. Okay. Um, the expedition's reports to the queen described the region as a pleasant and bountiful land, alluding to the Golden Age and the Garden of Eden, although these accounts may have been embellished by Raleigh. Yeah, that feels like it. His tactics, though, seem to have worked because in the next year, 18, uh, nope, 1585, I did that several times, I was like, 18... Fifty, whatever. And I was like, wait a second. Wait a second. I've listened to Hamilton. This doesn't line up. Because <laughs> I just, you know, you hear in your head, you're like, 17, 1789. And you're like, oh, wait. Okay. So in 1585, during a ceremony tonight, Raleigh, the queen proclaimed the land granted to him, Virginia, and proclaimed him Knight Lord and Governor of Virginia. Which just makes me laugh because 
like, we live in modern-day Virginia, and I understand that it was like, oh, the first colony is going to be named in honor of our queen. But it's just funny, because it's North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not even Every time Virginia they're anymore. like, the governor of Virginia. I'm like, oh, well. Um, not quite. <laughs> but, okay. So, Sir Walter Raleigh proceeded to seek investors to fund his colony. Any thoughts, feelings, opinions? So I, far. I find it interesting you have to fund a colony, but I understand it because, like, you need provisions and stuff and boats. Boats. Well, and sometimes things. you gotta pay people. Yeah. To go over. Which, Just, again, I fully understand. Yeah. Although, I find it interesting if you get whole families to go and you pay them to go, what are they gonna buy out there? <laughs> I don't know. All right. Round two. Mm hmm. Interests appeared to be high in the colony because in April of 85, Raleigh was able to send out a fleet fleet of seven ships, five large, two small. They carried approximately 600 soldiers and sailors and or question mark. I don't know. Uh, The fleet was under the command of Raleigh's cousin, Sir Richard Grenville. These names are great. Humphrey, Grenville. We love it. Love it. Uh, Monteo and Juan Chis, returning home from their visit to England, were also passengers on this voyage. Because, you know, it's not like there were a lot of boats going no. that way. <laughs> Can we hitch a ride? It's like, oh, we'll just move the flight. It's fine. Uh, this crossing, however, was more challenging with the fleet being scattered for a lot of the time. So Ooh. instead of going all together, they were kind of mixed up. Supplies were running low. Accidents occurred that damaged supplies and food stores. They even had to replace one of the smaller ships when, because they didn't go straight to Roanoke Island. They like stopped in the Caribbean, which I think is interesting because you're like going yeah, you go down, down to go up, up but, but I don't know. Maybe it's like New Jersey. You turn right to go left. Um, <laughs> make a U-turn. The, you know, the Atlantic Ocean, it's just turn right to go left. Look, I don't know how accurate the steering, I don't know. Look. We a lot are, of people have gotten lost out there. I we mean, are not completely... boat people. But anyway, so they finally arrive in June, back to the region in question. Okay. And they start exploring the lands in the area. Following this initial exploration, a silver cup was reported missing. Oh, gosh. Believing the item stolen, Grenville sent a detachment back to a native village they'd passed through to demand the return of the missing property. Yeah, like they have any need for silver. When the villagers did not produce the cup, the English, white man history, decided that severe retribution was necessary in order to avoid the appearance of weakness. The men burnt down the entire town and its crops, sending the natives fleeing. To which I wrote, very smart life choices when your diminished food supplies mean that you'll have to largely rely on the generosity of the native peoples to sur- to survive until your next supply shipment comes in. I don't understand. Uh, to, to Make s- it make sense. So that you don't appear weak? Yeah, because if you let them steal the cup, okay, but they're just going to steal everything. How much that. you want to bet that there isn't a cup? Well, I I would argue that there is a cup, but that maybe someone... From their own company took it. Or, like, That's somebody, you. like, took a drink next to a stream and, like, put it down on a tree stump and then, like, walked away and just, like, forgot. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I would do that. You're like, I didn't take... I didn't take it. I just lost it. I just forgot. Anyway, a couple of months later, Grenville moved the fleet to a mooring off Hatterask Island. And yes, it is Hatterask. Google tried to tell me to change it, but multiple sources said this. So, don't come for me. <laughs> North Carolina, Outer Banks people. OBX. Okay, because, like, Outer Banks people are, like, uh, there's, you know what I mean? They are, like, Outer Banks people. Yeah. It's not just, like, oh, we go. But I feel like that's, like, my family is a Jersey Shore family. Yeah. Not, like, not like that, but they're Yeah, there's no people. bumpets around, but. No. Grenville sent Ralph Lane, a veteran of the wars in Ireland, uh, to establish a fort and settlement on Roanoke Island. Grenville and the fleet departed shortly after to return to England for additional settlers and supplies, leaving behind a garrison of 108 men under Lane's command. Great. So we've got military, basically. Because this is a, this is additional reconnaissance. Scientific okay. and also practical. Like, where do we actually want to set up? Okay. Days later, in Bermuda, Grenville, on his way back to England, he raided a large Spanish galleon that had become separated from the rest of its fleet. He took the ship, took it back to England, and there was enough treasure on it to make the entire Roanoke venture profitable. So Queen Elizabeth was like, sure. Keep going. And other people wanted to buy in because they're like, oh, they got... But he's not, he's not a pirate. He's, they he's got a privateer. Yeah. Golly. Meanwhile, Lane, back, back over here in North America, Lane sent out two exploratory missions during the winter and spring of 1585 and 86. The first expedition discovered the mouth of the Chesapeake Bay mm-hmm. and made contact with Indian peoples along the southern shore of the bay. The second, in the spring, explored the Chowan and Roanoke Rivers, during which the English picked up stories from Indians of copper, possibly gold, mines further inland. Okay. Cue um, Governor Ratcliffe. Mine! Mine! Anyway, uh, get it. Mine. We're mining. Ha ha ha. Okay. Uh, da 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 da. Bing! By this time, Lane had had concluded that the colony should be relocated to the Chesapeake Bay, where deep water rivers would make better harbors for English shipping than the treacherous waters of the Outer Banks, and from which colonists could mount further expeditions into the interior of North Carolina to find the Indian mines that had eluded them. Okay. The colonists spent the autumn of 85 acquiring corn from the neighboring villages to augment their limited supplies. The colony apparently obtained enough corn along with venison, fish, and oysters to sustain them through the winter. Little information survives, however, about what transpired at the colony between September 1585 and March 1586, making a full assessment of the winter impossible. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
As governor of Roanoke, Lane was forced to abandon the island in late June of 86, owing to hostilities between the English and the Secatans on whom men, Lane's men depended for food. Oh. The expedition's scientist, Thomas Harriet, noticed that each town the colonists visit, visited quickly suffered a deadly epidemic which may have been influenza or smallpox. Oh, no. Some of the Secatan suspected the disease was caused by supernatural forces unleashed by the English. Oh. The epidemic likely had a severe impact on the fall harvest at a time when Lane's colony would have heavily depended on its neighbors to supplement its limited food supply. Yeah. So, like, not only are you being jerks, but you're also spreading germs, which means there are less crops grown and harvested. Yeah. It's an unfortunate thing that they didn't know they were doing. Like, it's a weird side effect. Yeah. Of all the other weird stuff that they were doing. But, like... Yeah. So at sad. least at least this round of white man history, it was accidental. Yeah. Unlike other people. Anyway, uh, so Governor Lane, he arranged with Sir Francis Drake, who had arrived off Hatterask Island with a large fleet from the West Indies earlier in the month. He arranged with Drake to transport the colonists to the Chesapeake Bay, but a hurricane hit the coast as they were about to embark. And Sir Francis Drake was like, hey, let's just go back to England instead. And everyone was like, okay, we'll go. All right. Once again, Manteo from the Croatoan tribe and an associate, Towe, joined them on this voyage. So they're going back to England. Manteo was the one who was like, yeah, the linguists can... He probably was like, I want to go do some more fun things. He's like, like, I'm fancy. That sounds like cool. Um, Three of Lane's colonists were left behind. And never heard from again. I don't know why they were left behind. They missed the boat. Like, (laughs) they overslept. I don't know. (laughs) You wake up, roll over, the tent's gone. (laughs) Wait a second. I just had to use the bathroom before we got on the boat. (laughs) Should have gone before we left. I told you. Um, Okay. Because the colony was abandoned, it is unclear what became of the slaves and refugees that Drake had meant to place there after his successes in the Caribbean. Oh. So, his plan was to drop off... People. People. At the colony. But then when the colony was like, yeah, we're not staying. It's unclear if they... There's no record of them returning to England with slaves and refugees. So, it's possible they left them with some of the provisions that had been meant for for the colony, but we just don't know. Drake's fleet, including Lane's colonists, arrived in England in July of 86. Okay. Upon arrival, the colonists introduced tobacco, maize, and potatoes to England. Potatoes! Which I'm like, and I can say this because I have enough ancestors. But what the heck were we eating in Ireland before a potato? Just grain. It, it had to have all been carb. Some, all carbs. All carb all the time. And fish. Yeah, there's a lot of like, and sheep. Like, there's a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of like, quote unquote, Irish cuisine that doesn't include potatoes. But potatoes. But if you could put a potato, why wouldn't you? 
Do you say potato or potato? Because when I say potato, I feel like I have to like force my mouth to say it. I think I say potato, but like not that aggressively. I say potato. Also, I don't frequently say potato singular. Most of the time it's like, ugh, give me, give me potatoes. Give That's me carbs. True. Give me a fried potato. Well, I don't know. Well, but how do you say the chip version? A potato chip. Okay, so you do put the O in it. Yeah, that is how it's spelled. <laughs> how do you say tomato? Tomato. I don't, but I say potato chip. All right, everybody pause the podcast. <laughs> do it. How do you say Stay it? along with us. Please let us know if you have been like in your car saying it along with us. Um, language, but it's weird. Brent makes fun of me because every time that I, you know, say that word... Look, he everybody everybody has their their little linguistic things. Quirks. Like one of my one of my exes always said pillow and milk. Oh, milk. And I was like I know exactly so, which one you're I'm, talking about. I'm, I'm just like I'm that person that is like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Can you pass the what? Like I'm a jerk. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. Or like all my all my friends that were born and raised in central Pennsylvania, they all say like oh, my hair needs washed, and it would drive me up a wall. I'm like, your hair needs to be washed, or it needs washing? And they're like, no, it needs washed. And I'm like, <laughs> I hate it here. <laughs> Hi, let, let me leave, please. The roof, the crick. Get some water at the crick. Water. Speaking of Bradleone. All right, anyway. <laughs> what, did, Emma, what are we doing? Emma, we gotta keep going. We're only on page four. Four? Yeah. <laughs> okay. How many pages is it since you've now shrunk the typeface and zoomed in on your... <laughs> Twelve? <laughs> but one of them is, at least one of them, maybe one and a half are sources. And there's a lot of bullet points. There's a lot of indenting. All right, here we no, go. No, no, I love it. I'm so excited. All right. <laughs> a single supply ship sent by Raleigh arrived at Roanoke just days after Drake evacuated the colony. Oh, rude. <laughs> Classic life without a cell phone, right? Yeah. Like, miss complete pa- pa- ships passing, passing in the night. In the, night. <laughs> in the ocean, just in the ocean. Um, the crew could not find any trace of the colonists and left. I like how they were like, yeah, no one's here. They're like, all right, all right, bye. I guess we're going. Two weeks later, Grenville's relief fleet finally arrived with a year's worth of supplies and reinforcements of 400 men. So he had gone back, leaving Lane. He fi- <laughs> So, like... Nobody's talking to each other. Well, how, but you can't. Know. Yeah, I know. You it's can't, because you send one out, and then something else happens. I love this, though, because this has to be, like, one of 5,000 different miscommunications oh, that yeah. happened during that time. For of sure. like, Oh, okay, so we're going to send this ship here. Great. And then ha- like when they're halfway through their trip, it's like, oh, actually, um, the the people the people that we were going to send it to, they don't live there anymore. Well, they moved downriver. So you have to go all the way back to England. For, well, and it's not like when you're going through the Pacific, there are more stops along the way. Because there's more islands, yeah. So you can be like, oh... We're headed this way. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there's nothing. It's literally <laughs> it's empty. just the ocean. So, yes. 
Grenville conducted an extensive search and interrogated three natives, one of which finally related an account of the evacuation. The fleet returned to England, leaving behind a small detachment of 15 men, both to maintain an English presence and to protect Raleigh's claim to Roanoke Island. Because, you know. Mine! Yeah. All right. And then we have a, a lovely little paragraph from the mother source. Mm, Wikipedia. Legend of the Hidden Temple coming up next. Okay. <clears throat> Quote, according to the Croatoan, this contingent was attacked by an alliance of mainland tribes shortly after Grenville's fleet left. Five of the English were away gathering oysters when two of the attacker, attackers attackers appearing unarmed approached the encampment and asked to meet with two Englishmen peacefully. One of the native Americans concealed a wooden sword, which he used to kill an Englishman. Another 28 attacker (laughs) potato. Uh, (laughs) Another 28 attackers revealed themselves, but the other Englishman singular Englishman Uh, escaped to warn his unit. The natives attacked with flaming arrows, setting fire to the house where the English kept their food stores and forcing the men to take up whatever arms were handy. A second Englishman was killed. The remaining nine retreated to the shore and fled the island on their boat. They found their four compatriots returning from the creek, picked them up, and continued into Port Ferdinando. The 13 survivors were never seen again. So at this point, we've lost at least 16 people. Like, lost them. Other people have died, but we've lost these. There were three And four, potential three before. slaves and refugees. Yes, but like... Undocumented humans. Uh, there's just no communication. Nope. So back in London... Lane reported his discoveries and experiences to Raleigh and emphasized the advantages of the Chesapeake Bay as a location for a settlement from which to outfit explorations in search for gold mines and a passage to the South Sea. Raleigh, however, wasn't interested in such logical thinking and sponsored a final expedition and placed in command John White, who had apparently been on the first two voyages as an artist and a map maker. This source, this claim, rather, is disputed by some sources. Like, there is no physical evidence remaining. There's no, like, manifest or anything that has his name on it. But apparently he was there for the first two trips. Cool. All right. And then then I titled the the next section, Roanoke, parentheses, John White's version. (laughs) I'm so fun. All right. So it's April 18. Nope. (laughs) Nope, it's not. In April. Potato. Potato. Potata. Potato. Potata. Potata. Ciabatta. Ciabatta. Potata. Ciabatta. Anyway. Okay. In April 1587, John White headed a group of 118 men, women, and children on another expedition funded by Raleigh. These settlers included his daughter, Eleanor, and son-in-law, Ananias, Ananias, 
That it. That's how it looks. I didn't bother to look up his Let, name. Let's let's call him Nanny. <laughs> Annie. Annie Dare. Yeah. As well as many friends and associates. Monteo and Toei, who had left the Lane Colony with Drake's fleet, were also on board. They're coming on down. I mean, absolutely. You want to ride home? Come on on. Come on down. I don't think I actually wrote it in my notes, but Monteo was actually made like a lord at some point cool. in England. So He's having a great time. He's having a grand old time. Their intended goal was not to return to the site of the previous expeditions, but in fact to establish a settlement on the Chesapeake Bay called the City of Raleigh. So I was a little sassy to Raleigh. Like, I guess maybe he was listening to the logic. Yeah. But they never reached that destination. They, the stop that they made at Roanoke Island was supposed to be temporary, just to check in on the 15 guys that Grenville had left. Instead, White and his party came upon an eerie sight. Oh. But I wrote, like, sight slash sight. You know, like a place versus a... S-I-T-E versus I'm very funny for this... S-I-G-H-T. I'm very visually funny for this really not... Visual. Visual medium. One day. One day. Someday. Patreon, extra special, bonus level. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, but the eerie sight slash sight. The fort had been dismantled while the houses stood vacant and overgrown with melons. I just like that. Melons? Melons. The melon. They truly do, though. I watched uh, TikTok. Somebody had planted pumpkin seeds in, like, the mulchy part of their apartment complex's uh, parking lot. And pumpkin plants... And other sort of like melon squash type, they really just spread out like crazy. So yeah, because they can't they can't grow up, so, so they they're just, just like. Whoosh. Whoosh. Um, there was no sign that Grenville's men had ever been there, Ooh. except for human bones that White believed were the remains of one of them killed by Native Americans, which we think is what happened. Yeah, that might be true. The mariners responsible for transporting them. Led by the master pilot, Simon Fernandez, however, put the settlers off at Roanoke Island and refused to take them any further. Okay. Okay. Yep. We'll get into it. Apparently, here we go. Uh, Apparently, they hadn't learned their lesson, or perhaps fortune just wasn't on the side of the settlers, uh, but they were once again arriving low on supplies. After remaining on the island for six weeks, John White departed for England with Fernandez at the end of August to collect supplies and reinforcements, leaving the settlers behind, including his granddaughter, Virginia Dare, the first English baby to be born in North America. Aww. Meanwhile, Monteo was putting in overtime, smoothing over relations between the colonists and the native tribes, trying to negotiate peace. Aha, I did write this down. For his service to the colony, Monteo was baptized and named Lord of Roanoke and Dasamongpak. Best attempt I could do. It's really... That was one where I was like, I don't trust you, robot lady. Yeah, I so don't think she could have done... I'm just gonna... Done it justice. <laughs> yeah, no. It was like, Dasamongpak. And I was like, mm, I don't know about you. Governor John White. Mm. was unable to return to the colony of Roanoke. 
for three years. Whoa! That is not... I did not know that. Well, yeah, because war broke out between uh, Spain and England, which commandeered all the larger ships for the military effort. He did attempt to return with two smaller supply ships in April of 88, but their captains attempted to capture several Spanish ships on the outward bound voyage in order to improve their profits. On May 6th, they were attacked by French mariners slash pirates near Morocco. Nearly two dozen of the crew were killed, the supplies were plundered, and the ships were forced to go back to England. You went towards Morocco? Well... Look, we've established that you and I are not good at maps, (laughs) so I'm going to wave at this opportunity as it passes us by. (laughs) But following the defeat of the Spanish Armada in August, England maintained the ban on shipping in order to focus efforts on organizing a counter-armada to attack Spain in 1589. White would not gain permission to make another resupply attempt until 1590. White and his company finally made landfall on the morning of August 18th, 1590, which was also his granddaughter's third birthday. <gasps> oh. The party found fresh tracks in the sand, but were not contacted by anyone. Ooh, that's creepy. They also discovered the letters C-R-O carved into a tree. Upon reaching the site of the colony, White noticed that the area had been fortified with a palisade, a.k.a. like a wooden fence-like structure. Mm -hmm. Near the entrance of the fencing, the word Croatoan was carved in one of the posts. White was certain these two inscriptions meant that the colonists had peacefully relocated to Croatoan Island, since they had agreed in 1587, before he left, that the colonists would leave a, quote, secret token indicating their destination or a cross pate as a distress code. See, that, make, that makes sense to me. Right. Here's the thing. When I started this... I had I didn't know all of this background. The yeah, only either. details I had ever heard were like there was a colony, and then when they came back, no one was there, and there was nothing except Croatoan, and it was yeah. very mysterious. But instead, like doing the research, I was like, oh, they like talked about it beforehand. Well, this isn't spooky. Just wait. Oh, we'll get there. I I bring it back, you guys, like I do. Bring it on back. Bring it on back now. So. The remainder of the physical settlement had been dismantled. With everything that be that could be carried, it was gone. Makes sense. Yeah. None of their boats could be located anywhere nearby on the island. Okay. White believed that the settlers had peacefully relocated 50 miles south to Croatoan Island. Yep. Where their native ally, Monteo, was the chief. He yep. was in charge. He was very prominent. I lost the space in my notes. We're vamping. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. While attempting to reach them, a fierce storm drove Jean White's boat out to sea and the attempt was abandoned. Aww. He attempted to stay in the Caribbean for the winter. He kind of like negotiated with the crew. Yeah. Intending to go back in the spring to search more thoroughly. But weather conditions, even in the Caribbean, were really, really bad. And they convinced him slash forced him to return to England. He then moved to Munster in southern Ireland where he likely died in the early year, early years of the 17th century, 
never to know for certain the fate of his daughter, son-in-law, or granddaughter. That's so sad. Yeah. Although White failed to locate his colonists in 1590, his report suggested they had simply relocated and might yet be found alive. However, it served Raleigh's purposes to keep the matter in doubt. So long as the settlers could not be proven dead, he could legally maintain his claim on Virginia. Oh. White people history. White man history. During Raleigh's first transatlantic voyage in 1595, he claimed to be going to search for his lost settlers, but really this was just a cover-up for his search for El Dorado. Ooh. Go listen to that episode if you want to hear the rest of his story. Um, on the return voyage, he did sail by the Outer Banks, and he later claimed that the weather prevented him from landing. Mm. I'm like, mm-hmm, Sure. Uh, in 1602, Raleigh funded another voyage to the Outer Banks, this time purchasing the ship and guaranteeing the crew's wages, which is different from the previous yeah. expeditions, but he did this in an attempt to keep them from getting distracted by privateering. That's fair. Um, by being like, hey, you'll actually, I promise, have money, so just, like, don't get distracted. Don't go on the side quest. Stay on the main, the main route. However... That ship's itinerary and manifest indicated that Raleigh's top priority was harvesting sassafras far south of Croatoan Island, as prices for the crop had skyrocketed around this time. So he sassafras. Was, he was just there for uh, capitalism. Mm-hmm. By the time the ship approached Hatteras, bad weather prevented them from lingering in the area. In 1603, Raleigh was implicated in the main plot and arrested for treason against King James, effectively ending his Virginia charter. Again, I was like, what's this? And I went, no. (laughs) This is not what we're here for. If anyone cares to write in, they can. King James, he just pops up all the time. We haven't done anything about him specifically, but I feel like he... Bloop, 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 bloop. I'm here. Hello. Okay. So, now on to some theories. Are you ready? I am. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Alright, first of all, let's get the most probable, aka boring, theory out of the way. Like we've talked about, before John White left, the colonists, they agreed that if things got weird, if bad, etc., they would move inland 55 miles slash 90 kilometers away from the Secatin tribe where there was some lingering hostility, some not great vibes. Standard historical accounts argue that a small group likely relocated to Croatoan Island, which is now known as Hatteras, probably in late 87 or early 88, while the main group went to live with the Chesapeake Indians on the southern shore of the Chesapeake Bay, possibly near the Lynn Haven or Elizabeth River. Around 1608, Natives reported that a small group of the Roanoke colonists were alive and held hostage in Iroquois territory in eastern North Carolina. No one confirmed or complained. Nope. Pursued or confirmed these claims. That's I all like we complained. <laughs> they, nobody complained. No one complained. So the second most popular theory is that the colonists relocated to the Salmon Creek slash... Albemarle area. In 
2011, the first colony foundation, together with the British Museum, made a discovery on John White's map from 1585 of the region. The map includes a fort symbol near the confluence of Salmon Creek and Albemarle Sound in North Carolina, but it's hidden under a patch on the map, likely to disguise its presence from foreign interests. Because the Spanish, even though the Spanish didn't attempt to colonize, they were kind of always sailing by just to, like, keep an eye out. They've got the intelligence like, Yeah, I commission. guess if, if you've, you know, you're coming back from the Caribbean, you're, like, swinging up to go... You turn left to go right across the Atlantic. Like, <laughs> they're like, just keep an eye out. Um, in 2012, the foundation investigated the location of the fort. They didn't find a fort necessarily, but they did find uh, remnants of English pottery and weapons, but no trading goods like copper or beads. This location is called Site X. Ooh. Site Y... Less than two kilometers north was discovered in 2015 by archaeologist Nick Lucchetti. They found English pottery shards and even some Spanish olive jars. To them, this suggested food storage by an extended family or small family units. One intriguing clue that points to Roanoke colonists rather than Jamestown traders is the lack of early 17th century clay pipes at either Site X or Site Y. Early Roanoke expeditions appropriated pipe smoking from the Native Americans, and Raleigh made it fashionable in England. Slender clay pipes with small bowls, quite distinct from their indigenous counterparts in material and style, were inevitable parts of any English trader's kit by the early 1600s. But these pipes were not here, so... Had to be earlier. Yeah. I love that. That's so cool. I didn't know the history of the pipe. There you go. Brent's going to love that. (laughs) The more you know. Um, It is very likely that the settlement dispersed into several separate parties when they went to live among the native tribes. Um, According to Eric Klingelhofer (laughs) of Mercer University in Macon, Georgia... A historian and principal investigator on this project, quote, it's a good strategy. (laughs) No single Indian tribe or village could have supported them. They would be, they would be even larger than some villages. I mean, they were over a hundred people. Yeah. Which makes sense. So how considerate of them to be like, hey, we know we're bumming uh, sustenance off of you guys. We're not bringing the whole fam. We're just bringing like a couple people. Yeah. Whether on the southern shore of the Chesapeake Bay or in North Carolina, it is generally believed that many of the colonists and their descendants were killed by a large raiding party of warriors sent in the spring of 1607 by the Powhatan's, Powhatan tribe's paramount chief, the father of Pocahontas, to destroy the colonists and their Indian allies. He apparently feared the possibility that the Jamestown settlers, who arrived in the Chesapeake Bay in late April, might develop contacts with the Roanoke settlers and the peoples they lived with and thereby threaten his chiefdom. So... I mean, not wrong, but also, like, don't go killing people. Uh, In 1625, English historian Samuel Purchase 
wrote that the prominent Powhatan chief boasted to explorer John Smith about the colonists' deaths. Oh. However, this exchange is not mentioned in any other explorer's writings, including John Smith's. Yeah, I feel like John Smith would have written that down to be like, okay, so (laughs) So, this native guy just told me that he killed all of, like, these English people, Um, so now, like, major retribution is needed because this ain't no silver cup. TM. (laughs) Direct quote. Um, (laughs) The colonial secretary, William Stratchy. Scratchy? Stratchy. Scratchy. Okay. (laughs) Chris Pratt. Um, Claimed that several settlers were killed and the survivors sought refuge with a welcoming tribe. But no evidence... No evidence exists, exists yeah. to suggest that such a massacre took place. So it's like one of those things where it's like, well, sure, it makes sense. I could understand if that happened, but we have no proof that it happened. Yeah. A few of the Roanoke colonists were said to have survived the supposed attack, however, and fled up the Chow- uh, the Chowan River or took refuge with the Tuscarora people at a place on the Roanoke River or to the south, possibly on the Tar River. Okay. Descendants of the small group of settlers who went to live on Croatoan Island also survived. Excavations by the Croatoan Archaeological Society found a slate writing tablet, 16th century gun hardware, parts of swords, a rapier hilt, pottery shards, and even a floral clothing clasp belonging to a woman. Aww. Bold of you to assume. That men don't like floral clothing clasps. It was probably the style of, it like went on to something that a woman wore, but like who knows if the guy pulled it out of the you trunk. You don't know night. what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Accounts from years afterward describe some indigenous people with blue or gray eyes and sometimes blonde hair. Scholar Scott Dawson from the Society also points out that the Croatoans were at war with the Secatans at the Mm -hmm. time. The Croatoans helped the English a few years earlier in the previous skirmishes they had with the Secatans. So it would make sense that they'd be open to them coming over, even intermingling, marrying, question mark. The extent to which the Roanoke colonists sought aid or intermingled with native tribes will only be determined through additional research, if at all. In 2007, the Lost Colony of Roanoke DNA Project was founded by Roberta Estes, using her private DNA testing company to see if the missing colonists did, in fact, merge with the local... Uh, Native American populations, using historical records, migration patterns, and oral histories. The project offers DNA tests to people who think they might be descended from the people of Roanoke, using Y-chromosomes, autosomal DNA, and mitochondrial DNA to make the determination. So far, DNA testing of Native Americans has not been able to identify any Roanoke descendants. But still pretty cool. That is really cool. Also, you own your own DNA firm? Like, dang. Oh, can, can you help us find the real Zodiac killer? <laughs> <laughs> Billy Jensen said that he doesn't believe it, guys. Yeah, so. and Billy Jensen is basically always right, so. No pressure. No pressure, Billy. Um, in addition to 
the lack of uh, research. Um, another challenge is that there are a lot of other 17th century colonial artifacts that are discovered. Oh. And it's hard to determine. Like, they're not discovered in context. Basically, we found these things that could be from the Roanoke settlers, but also pottery didn't change that drastically year yeah. to year. So it would, this could be from Jamestown or a later uh, settlement because we haven't discovered any artifacts in context that make it very clear that this is like late, uh, late 1500s. Yeah. We, we, the, even the existing evidence is helpful, but it's not as helpful. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing to like pinpoint a time frame. Exactly. And then there, from there, be able to distill it to, yes, this is the time of Roanoke. Yes. When asked how scientists should proceed, Clay Swindell of the Museum of Albemarle responded, Quote, we have to go in and dig some holes, I guess. No, he sounds like fun. I just loved that quote. Okay, so that was kind of theory 1A and B slash Yeah, all encompassing. They moved on. Makes sense. They're all good. Another prominent theory is that the colonists perished from some new world disease. Like, because commingling germs. This, however, seems unlikely because there were no remains, no graves, no traces of personal belongings, and no evidence of a major contagion among the region's tribes yeah. ever turned up. So probably not. But maybe, maybe some new world germs were like, take that, you smallpox bringers. Yeah, right. Another theory is that severe weather uh, conditions may have contributed to the fact that they would have to relocate. The colonists reportedly arrived during the worst drought in eight centuries. Dang. Lasting. <laughs> Their luck is so bad. Lasting from 1587 to 1589. This is backed up by tree analysis that's been done by scientists in the area. Golly, gotta love some scientists, really. They're doing the minutiae. That, put that on the put that on the merch. Gotta love some scientists. Gotta. You just gotta. You just gotta. Um, so yeah, so maybe it wasn't just uh, tense relations with the the secotans. Maybe it was also we can't grow anything, and maybe weather contributed to it. Also, lots of shipwrecks and things. Bad weather. You yeah. talked about Hatteras Island at some point because people built. Houses. Oh, yeah. I was like reading this. I was like, Emma talked about this. I think yeah, when we Bermuda talked about the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, Bermuda Triangle. One, there was a shipwreck that was yeah. off of Hatteras, and there were a lot of houses that were built out of the wood from the what shipwreck. What was the name of that boat? Uh, Mary Celeste. Yes. It popped up, and I. No. No, that's the one that You are incorrect. I am. <laughs> I was like, because I almost did that for last yeah. week's episode, or like my last I'm episode. Wrong. I'm wrong. It was, I chose between the Mary Celeste and the, the Lighthouse Keepers. I was like, these are basically the same story. <laughs> these are both water things. <laughs> I literally have a whole tab of research. So stay tuned in like two months when I hope everyone's forgotten, and then I'll do the Mary Celeste. Um, <laughs> I don't remember what the name of that specific boat was. I'm sure I could look it up. I, but it literally doesn't matter. Yeah. I just remember, like, it showed up in this article, and I was like, mm? I'm gonna talk about this. Ears go up. Okay, but so that's all like practical, scientific, blah, 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 
stuff. Scientific blah, blah, blah. Our next merch item. <laughs> Gotta love a scientist. <laughs> and scientific blah, blah, blah. Scientific blah, blah, blah. They're like couple shirts. <laughs> Brent would love Tag that. yourself. Which one are you? I'm scientific blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Me too. Brent is most definitely gotta love a scientist and that's, I'm scientific that's blah, blah, blah. The, That's the next Instagram <laughs> poll if I remember to, to do it. Okay. But this isn't what you're here for. You're not here for science and history. This is spooky season. Spooky season. So we're going to talk about the dare stones. Okay, I was waiting for this. <laughs> I'm excited. Y'all ready for this one? I mean, beer, 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 beer. It's only like a couple bullet points. So I don't care. Don't get, I'm still don't get excited. Too excited. Okay, so during the Great Depression, mm-hmm. a tourist named Louis Louis question mark E Hammond delivered a nine. Po- also, you can tell which facts I got from like. UK sources. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> American sources. So he delivered a 9.5 kilogram stone to Emory University that he supposedly found in the Chowan River. Mm-hmm. The message chiseled into the stone references, quote, misery and war, as well as, the, as deaths at the hands of native peoples. It is signed EWD, as in Eleanor White Dare. Governor John White's long-lost daughter. Linguists wrote the stone off as a hoax because the practice of using initials as a signature is a more modern concept that wouldn't have been widely utilized by the colonists, if at all. I mean, okay, but also this is chiseled into something, right? Okay. A, a, A rock. Okay. A stone, if you will. A stone. A stone. What's the difference? Probably a size. It's like the difference between a ship and a boat. Yeah. I don't... We don't have to go into it. I'm an army brat. I don't know anything about your boats. (laughs) Um, I'm Air Force, so I I don't care. Scientists, however, are hesitant to completely disregard the first stone due to its seemingly appropriate amount of weathering. So that okay, the scientists said it was so. They didn't say it was so, but they didn't say it wasn't so. I mean, that's exactly what they do constantly. Yeah, but like, they're like, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Just like how what isn't isn't gravity like a theory? Yeah, gravity's like, fully a theory. <laughs> it's like, and apparently really? there's there's a new theory of gravity out too that so, might go no, against. Uh, uh, stop. Mm, okay. No, I'm not. <laughs> you can't. You can't think about it. It's like they got new math now. <laughs> New gravity, new math. I'm 85 years old. What's with this newfangled new gravity? (laughs) I don't like it. Ask Uh, Brent about it. He really got into it. Following this discovery, 47 additional dare stones were brought forward by a man named Bill Eberhardt. These turned out to be forgeries, but the first stone remains in, quote, academic limbo to this day. Ooh! Oh, I want that on a mug. Academic limbo. For just for myself, not specifically podcast related. Not for the merch. I mean, y'all You don't get it. I'm sorry. But like, academic limbo. I love that. Somehow that like... I'm just picturing a bunch of people in elbow patches trying to do the limbo. (laughs) But like, they're too flexible. They're too inflexible because all they do is like sit curled over books and computers. But that's how they get under it, is that they just curl their broken backs. (laughs) Somehow get underneath it. <laughs> like little armadillos. 
academic armadillos. <laughs> the new mascot. Um, okay. So another theory, which is like pretty reasonable, I guess. Mm-hmm. But the colonists could have decided to rescue themselves by sailing for England in the small ship left behind by the 1587 expedition. That feels dangerous. This ship could have been lost with all hands at sea, accounting for the absence of both the ship and the bodies. Yeah. I feel it. I mean, obviously, if they didn't get back to England, then... They're in the Bermuda Triangle! Because it stretches all the way to Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) That's why John White died. (laughs) It had nothing to do with age. Or the potatoes he was eating for the first time. All right. But as with any fun episode... Yes. There is also... Conspiracy. (gasps) This is all from... This is a whole paragraph from Wikipedia. Thank you, Mother Source. (laughs) Enjoy. Anthropologist Lee Miller proposed that Sir Francis Walsingham, Simon Fernandez, Edward Strafford... And others. I thought that was one whole long name. I was like, wow. <laughs> like a, like a Lipsang Christopher Rupert, son of Her Majesty, Queen Constantina. What? It's from the Cinderella with Brandy. I've never seen it. Oh, no. We've had this discussion on the podcast before. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm a failure to everyone that I've never seen the Brandy Cinderella. That's okay. It's now on Disney+. Plus. We can watch it. Okay. No, I was thinking of Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, of, like, the... Oh, the... Esteban. Esteban. Yeah. I don't know at all. I don't know at all either. Okay, but all of these guys, and others... Okay. Lee Miller proposed, they, they all participated in a conspiracy to maroon the 1587 colonists <gasps> at Roanoke. The purpose of this plot, she argued, was to undermine Walter Raleigh whose activities supposedly interfered with Walsingham's covert machinations to make England a Protestant world power at the expense of Spain and other Catholic nations. This conspiracy would have impeded Raleigh and White from dispatching a relief mission until Walsingham's death in 1590. Miller also suggested that the colonists may have been separatists, seeking refuge in America from religious persecution in England. Raleigh expressed sympathy for the separatists, while Walsingham considered them a threat to be eliminated. Unquote. I find it interesting that there was like, what, 115, 150 118. 118 people that are like these religious refugees. Because Virginia baby. was born. Yes. Um, Actually, 20. Because there was another pregnant lady, but like no one ever talks about her or her child because they weren't first. Oh. It's like nobody cares who was the second baby born on January 1st of a new year. It's like the first, the yeah. first baby. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it. I find it interesting that there's like 118 people that are seeking this religious, like, Mm-hmm. Refuge, and they were trying to be like, "Yes, this will be our tool," but I guess because it was like part of Raleigh's 
Virgin, quote unquote, Virginia, um, that probably was more reason why. Like, if they had dropped them off somewhere else and Raleigh wasn't involved, it probably wouldn't have been, like, a potential conspiracy to, like, screw him over. But Well, like, I also love that Miller's theory doesn't acknowledge that there was a war. She's yeah! Like, she's like, they didn't send a resupply ship till 1590 when Walsingham died. Never mind that there was a, <laughs> there was a, a war, war going on. At, like, in the ocean that they're that's separating them. Casual. Uh, Miller's theory has been challenged. At, at appropriately so, it seems. Well, based... Yes, but also based on Walsingham's considerable financial support of Raleigh's expeditions and the willingness of Fernandez to bring John White back to England instead of abandoning him with the other colonists. Hmm. Yeah. Like, don't leave any witnesses... If you're trying to abandon people yeah, in the see, wrong okay. spot. Yeah, now I'm not. The only thing that makes me think that there's a potential conspiracy is the fact that the... I was going to say the pilot. That's not what he is. The captain of the ship was like, now nah, we're not going up the Chesapeake. Yeah, like, I, you're getting off You're here. getting off here. But if he had heard all of these, like, you know, and maybe it was a really rough ride to get there to begin with... He was probably like, I'm not going any further unless I'm going away. Like, I'm done. I'm good. I'm yeah. done. I'm not ruining my boat for you people. Like, the people who don't drive their boats to uh, Doll Island. They're like, <laughs> they're like, we can go around. I'm not I'm not stopping there. I'm not stopping. You can nope. look at it nope. from far away. Yeah. You ready for the next theory, Emma? Yes, I am. Cannibalism! Oh no! Either that the settlers were attacked by cannibals, or that they had to turn on each other because of the lack of supplies. This theory is not as outlandish as you may think or hope. Oh yeah, I was really hoping. In 1609, in the settlement of Jonestown, Virginia, the colony had to resort to cannibalism to stay alive. There was a Jonestown before Jonestown? That's hilarious. I mean, Jones is a pretty common name. I mean, yes, you're right. That's fair. I'm just like, the famous Jonestown's in my head. Continue, sorry. But anyway, so it's possible that the people of Roanoke did that as well. And then, I loved this quote (laughs) in a morbid way. There were never any bodies found at the settlement, but that doesn't mean anything. The bones could have been used for healing remedies by grinding them into a powder. They're just like, yeah, it was definitely cannibals. Oh, you never found any bodies? I have an explanation for you. Oh my gosh. And also to bring in an additional spooky element, if the people of Roanoke did resort to cannibalism, then according to Native American belief, they are still alive. Roaming the woods of North Carolina... In the form of beasts called Wendigos. Because <gasps> according to their legend, if you do something so terrible, you just turn into a beast. Which means the settlers are still alive. I really like that. I mean, I, I don't like that. I, like I don't want to interact with it. But like the, the idea that like it's basically a purgatory of like you do something that bad, fine. Then you're going to be a beast for the end until the end of time yeah i feel like that's proper retribution fair and it ain't no silver cup 
But then it's but that it's not really retribution if you are a beast and you still keep attacking people. I mean, but you have to live forever. Yeah, but at that point, you just anyway. The the cognitive like function may actually like still be there and you're like, you know, this is now an impulse rather like it's a thing I have to do and not a thing I chose to do and then you feel more like a like a beast. I don't know. I I don't know. I am not a Wendigo. I don't oh, know how God. it feels. I was really stressed. <laughs> I'm uh, also not a cannibal, so I think we'll right. be good. Confirmed. Add it to the list. We are not murderers, cannibals, or Wendigos. Great. Rest assured. Another theory is kind of this... I said, like, Mother Earth idea, which those are my words, not necessarily anything from... A particular culture. That's just my way of summing it up. Um, and then I'm just going to read you a little paragraph from a source called History Collection. Ooh! Quote, the Croatoan belief system includes a spirit on the island that had the power to absorb humans into the landscape. If the spirit was offended or angered, it would turn people into trees, animals, stones, or any other part of the land. If the colonists were exploiting exploiting resources or abusing the land, it could have angered the spirit. This means that the people of Roanoke didn't disappear at all. They were just absorbed into the land. I like that. I wish that was real. It doesn't explain the no boats. I like how that's my issue. I mean, the boats could have floated away. That's true. How it was three years. That's true. Or the natives could have taken the boats. Yeah, if there's a free boat. Mine. Keep an eye on your boats if Emma's around. (laughs) Put your name on it. And then finally, this last little quote of a theory. And, of course, aliens must make (gasps) an appearance. Ooh! That's it. (laughs) Oh, no, but now my... Now my brain is going through... Aliens the, like, are always an option. Aliens are always an option. Time travel is always an option. Yes. I'm thinking now about the map that John White made and how the, like, fort, quote-unquote, was hidden under a certain piece of, like, it was like a patch of, of mm-hmm. paper, I'm guessing. What if it wasn't a fort? What if it was a UFO? Maybe. It was like a cross. The symbol for the fort was like a... Oh, I thought he had, like, like drawn it out. like <laughs> <laughs> a little building. <laughs> I don't know how maps work like that back then. Well, good thing you're following us on Instagram, Emma, because I have a picture. Yay! I'm glad. So those are all of our theories. And then I thought I'd just talk to you about pop culture a little bit. Yay! So references to the Lost Colony started to appear in pop culture by as early as 1605. Wow. Mm-hmm. Plays, poems, and more referenced the bravery of the Lost Settlers, particularly the mother-daughter pair of Eleanor and Virginia Dare. Different accounts feature Virginia being raised in some capacity by a native tribe, sometimes with her marrying into the tribe when she's older. Sally Southall Cotton wrote a poem in 1901 that spoke of what had supposedly befallen Virginia Dare. Cotton surmised that a tribe adopted the girl and she was later engaged to a desirable chieftain, 
Unfortunately, a jealous witch turned her into a white doe to stop their marriage. Poor Virginia has roamed the woods ever since. Oh, Sad. Moving right along. Right before he died, Edgar Allan Poe disappeared <gasps> for a short time. Yes, he did. But why does that matter, Shannon? Well, I'll tell you. When he was seen again, he was delirious. In this final state of delirium before his death, allegedly one of the last words he said was, Croatoan. Poe's official cause of death is unknown, and mm-hmm. his medical records and death certificate are lost, so we will never know what happened to him on the night he died. In 1921, Croatoan was written on the last page of the logbook of the ship Carol A. Deering when the it Deering. crashed on Cape Hatteras near Croatoan Island. The ship was missing its entire crew. Yes. See, we got there. We did get there. I knew I had read about it somewhere. Apparently, the word Croatoan was also discovered in the journal of another famous disappearer, Amelia Earhart. (gasps) Ooh, that's so cool. Yeah. You got unexpected celebrity mention. So many, too bad you don't get duplicate squares. Right? You'd have so many (laughs) previous episode references. Um, So those were all kind of like old school. Yeah. But the legend continues to heavily influence local culture. I wrote local culture. Popular culture today. (laughs) This includes a large-scale tourist attraction. Paul Green's play titled The Lost Colony which opened in 1937 and remains in production to this day. Wow. I have auditioned for this show <gasps> at my outdoor theater, like, catapult auditions. It's like, they do it outside, there are cannons, there are horses, it's a very big deal. Wow. Uh, President Franklin D. Roosevelt attended the play on August 18th, 1937, Virginia Dare's 350th birthday. Oh. And now I'm a... It's like when you were getting ready to come over today, it's like you could sense something because you are currently dressed like a Winchester brother. Yes, I am. And Roanoke is referenced on season two, episode nine of the long running circus that was the television program Supernatural. The main character's father apparently had a theory that Croatoan referred to, quote, a demon of plague and pestilence that took the settlers out. In the 2015 novel, The Last American Vampire, the colonists are victims of a vampire named Crowley. (laughs) The inscription CRO was thus an incomplete attempt to implicate him. And finally, more modern cultural references range from graphic novels to short stories, Stephen King works to Batman comics. There's even an entire season of the acclaimed Ryan Murphy show, American Horror Story, based around the historical mystery. And that, my friends, is the long and winding tale of The Last Colony of Roanoke. Thank you for sticking with me this time. Way. That was I so am good. so incapable of putting on blinders. <laughs> okay, I didn't just want to start with like 
the 87 expedition that got lost. Because I feel like there were little things leading up to it of, like, well, three people disappeared here, and these people all died, and, like, da-da-da-da-da. So, like, the idea that people could ostensibly disappear within this time period, within this place, is not unfathomable. But the It was the amount of people who went missing, quote-unquote, missing. Missing. Over the course of three years, like... Can I tell you uh, what my, like, code name topic on the spreadsheet was? So that you wouldn't know. I wrote Red Tree. (gasps) Get it? Yeah. Roan. Oak. I'm clever. You're very clever. I'm the cleverness of me! (laughs) Also, they read the tree. Oh, look at us go. Um, right. Yes. We're so smart. What's that smart? Sorry, I'm just updating our little spreadsheet over here. Super fun times. Very important. And, uh... Type A personalities. <laughs> well, if I don't do it now, I'll forget. That's fair. And then we'll be like, have we used... What's what his I? name? What? What's going on? What episode number? What's is? his name? You know, what's, what's his, his name? name? Good old what's his name. Um, but yeah, I hope this was fun, guys. I had fun. I'm glad. And that's really all that matters. Like, the rest of you, I'm glad you're here. Enter the contest. Um, But really, this is just the the Emma and Shan show. Until you write in and give us a story. Until you become part of the story. You gotta give us some stories, you guys. You want all of them. (laughs) Give it to us. Please. Especially since our... Next episode will be our potiversary episode. Boo, 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 boo. You're gonna. <laughs> last week when we were recording, I freaked Emma out because I had the realization that because she went second at the beginning, she has all of our even number episodes, and that means she will always be hosting the big like milestones. I guess unless we start celebrate like seventy five, yeah, or, or something, but. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank God, because I didn't want to pick a topic for the 50th. I was like, that's too stressful. Well, um, now I have to pick a topic for the Potterversary one, and I am just torn. I have, like, one that is kind of spooky, but, like, a little bit more of a, like, Shannon speed. Oh. Of, like, a this this could potentially be a uh, Shannon episode, unless I do it, in which case it's mine. Um, <laughs> or I can go full spooky. Because it's spooky season. Emma. Yes. In honor of the anniversary and spooky season, with these listeners as my witnesses, I hereby give you permission to make me cry. Do I get a charter like like, like Raleigh I'll did? Write it. I'll write it on. Here, guys, the marker. <laughs> I'll write it out. I get a charter. I won't even, I won't even keep, no, uh, you don't get a charter, like, written out, but I will promise to not tally how many times you say I'm sorry. I appreciate that. She might. She agrees, too. (laughs) This is our agreement. We're shaking on it, friends. That was a noodle arm. We've never shaken hands before. I feel like we have. Has happened. I mean, I can't name an example, but... Is that how you shake everybody's hands? No. Yeah, you were like... I haven't... I've you were like... like I know, I don't know why I did it. I, I was being you're a goofy Muppet. about it. You're not but, really a human. No, I'm not. You're a Muppet. I'm a Muppet. 
No, my 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 handshake is is a firm one. I've been told. <laughs> I said it like Yoda. I've been told. <laughs> well, what is it? Do or do not. There is no try. Uh, good advice to remember. So remember until next time. This podcast doesn't exist. Like the colony of Roanoke. <gasps> and then just think about it though. Like if they had actually brought, we ended the episode. <laughs> now we're still here. Um, <laughs> Yo, sorry. We just Irish goodbye you. Or no, the opposite. The opposite of an Irish A goodbye. A Puerto Rican goodbye where you have to like circle around <laughs> and say goodbye to every person five times. Y'all okay. like Puerto Rican, so it's okay if she makes that joke. <laughs> Because it's it, so true. I've heard it before, most too. Hispanic, like yeah, other, most Hispanic other, families anyway. do it. Okay, but before we go, before we go, before they walk out the door, they've got the Tupperware, they're walking out the door. But just imagine if they had brought enough food and they had actually established the colony, this would, where we are now, would not be called Virginia. No, it would not. Crazy. Wild. Okay. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs>